Opinionated Sports with Sam Knight. Captivating opinions and engaging discussions on the latest news and events. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Opinionated Sports, but not any regular old episode because I have a special announcement. I have a special co-host joining me, and he is uh, actually going to be joining on long term. His name is Dan Siegel, and I'm very fired up to have him join Opinionated Sports. He's been in broadcasting for over 10 years. He's had multiple podcasts for several different sports, and he really brings some fantastic stuff to the table. Really, really excited about getting him on the team and uh, just really looking forward to the future because I think we got some really, really good things coming. So, you know, with that being said, let's let's go ahead and get started with the episode. Dan, how's it going today, man? How's it going, Sam? Pretty well, pretty well. So, uh, you know, the Oscars were last night. There was a, a lot of talk about it, and I thought it was really interesting because, you know, everyone wanted Leonardo DiCaprio to win. Um, I think it was kind of assumed that he was going to win, and then, of course, he did. I, I don't know. Did you see The Revenant? What did you think? Did he deserve it or, or did he not? I mean, like, it's a tough call because he's had such a great career, but there was a lot of people saying The Revenant really wasn't that good. So... <laughs> It was it was okay. It wasn't great. Like I wouldn't. I know it was nominated for best picture. I wouldn't have picked it for best picture. But I think what the Academy is saying is is if you want to freeze in water and hold on until you turn into an icicle, you're not going to win anything. But you go and fight a bear, and that that's that's award worthy. Yeah, I guess so. That was really. I mean, it was good to see. I, I love Leah. You can't hate on Leah, so it's all good. But, um, you know, Chris Rock came out firing, I'll tell you that much. And there was a lot of, like, speculation about how he was going to handle the performance. I thought he did a great job. You know, obviously, it's a, it was pretty cool when they showed the little angle right behind him and they showed the whole crowd. Like, at the very beginning, I was just like, I can't even imagine talking in front of that many people. I mean, I, I don't know. Do you, do you think Chris Rock did a good job? A lot of people were saying this is, like, the top of his career. Like, this is the, the moment he needed to kill it. And I thought he did a good job. Well, I think the Academy was probably in a tough spot because of all the backlash that they got in the first place with the whole, you know, black actor, Mm. black actor, actresses thing. So, I mean, you know, they let Rock rewrite the monologue, which they I mean, they really had no choice. So they had some idea of what they were up against. Right. Rock, you know, it's not the first time that he's that he's hosted. So, you know, it's not new to him. I think he did a good job. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna jump out and be like, "Oh, this." I mean, the Oscars is the Oscars. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it's not exactly a ranking like, "Oh, well, he was better than this and and that." You know, anything like that. Um, you know, the other. You know, besides that, the thing that was really weird to me was something new this year was when somebody got announced as a winner, you would see all their thank yous scrolling on the bottom. Uh. Now, when I first saw it, I thought that this was going to kind of you know, lead to shortening of the announcements. Right. And all it did was let you read everything they were then going to say. <laughs> yeah, that was that really was strange, actually, now that you mentioned that. And I was uh, talking with a friend, and I was just like, man, there's no way I could remember all these people. I would just rather, like, <laughs> tweet at them or something afterwards. So I, when I saw the scrolling thing at first, I was pretty happy. I was like, oh, okay, good. It's going to shorten everything. You know, no one's going to forget anything. And then they still go up there and are just – you know, preaching. So I was like, wow, I guess, I don't know. It's good. That was kind of strange to me. I don't know all, really why. All they, all they did was screw out the groups that had like two, three people go up there because they never actually pick one guy to speak for the group. They all right. want to speak. So after the first guy was done, the music was already going. Nobody ever had a shot to speak ever again. 
I want them to go 1930s style, and instead of the music, they just bring out the cane and rip you <laughs> off the stage. I think ratings would go up that way. I, I think they might, honestly. They probably would. And I'd be pretty interested to see the uh, the ratings this year compared to previous years. I just feel like there was so much hype and speculation around this year because of Leo, because of, you know, all the stuff with Chris Rock. And I don't know. But overall, you know, I thought it was pretty good. I didn't get to watch the entire thing. Um, I'll probably go back and finish it in a little bit. But, you know. Uh, Mad Max cleaned up, though. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I mean, they, it just raked in the awards. What, and they, right, rightfully so. I mean, <laughs> Mad Max concerned me, and I'll, I'll I'll explain why. In past years, you know, the Oscars has the tendency of whatever wins Best Picture basically cleans up. They win like twelve, thirteen awards. And as you as you mentioned, Mad Max had that streak of where they won like five, yep. six in a row. Now, don't get me wrong, Mad Max perfectly fine movie on its own but is not worthy of being nominated for best picture to begin with Mm -hmm. and then let alone to give me the idea that it could actually win that would have been bad on every level oh yeah yeah that would have been man there's no telling what would have happened the kind of backlash if it actually won and i mean it just seemed like it was winning just every single award the big short did pretty well also and i i really enjoyed the big short personally I, i thought it was a really good movie um, it, I, I just, I mean, I don't know if it should, it probably wouldn't have won, but I just kind of wish straight out of Compton would have gotten nominated. Cause I, I just thought that was such a good movie. It was just, and it just seemed like a really like Hollywood type movie. These guys uh, from nowhere, just kind of coming up and, and, you know, getting their shot and killing it. I, I don't know. I was really surprised by that, but I mean, obviously there was a lot of people surprised by it cause of all the backlash, but, um, you know, a lot, a lot of good stuff going on. A lot of movies, a lot of talented actors. So I, you know, all in all, I think it was a, it was a pretty, pretty good event. But um, you know, switching gears a little bit, I, uh, I know you're, you were into the UFC fight the other night, and I, and man, that was crazy. I, I couldn't believe the way that ended with, you know, Anderson Silva thinking he knocked out his opponent. He's up on the cage celebrating, and then they're like, "Yo, dude, like it's not over." And then obviously him losing the decision. I mean, that was crazy. What, what did you think about that? Well, we gotta we gotta start from the beginning here. Yeah, okay. Sure. Anderson Silva hasn't been in the octagon for almost two years. Right. You know, he's, he's coming off the suspension, and I, you know, after the fight, I, I put this up on Twitter and Facebook, and this is the best way I can I can correlate it. Anderson Silva now has Tiger Woods complex in that. In the same way that Tiger used to go on the course and basically have his opponents beaten before anybody ever teed off, Mm. Silva is still in the mind frame that as soon as he walks into the octagon, his intimidation and his aura and his mystique have him already ahead of his opponent. And that's not the case anymore. That hasn't been the case until he lost to Weidman twice. Yeah, that's... uh... He never... He never took the fight to Bisping. In the first round, he laid back. Bisping stumbled him a little bit. Second round, Bisping actually knocked him down. Mm -hmm. And then, as you allude to, in the third round, basically in the last 20 seconds, Bisping loses his mouthpiece. And admittedly, he said he was too focused on the mouthpiece. It was a mistake. And maybe there was some confusion between him and official Herb Dean, in which Dean picked up the mouthpiece and started walking toward him giving Bisping the idea that maybe there would be a stoppage. Silva took advantage, but it was at the very end of the round. Silva hit him and then never followed up. Right. Never follows up. Dean never waved the arms as if the thing was over. Okay? And even then, at the end of the round, 
He's still down two to one, and he still never took the fight to Bisping. Not once. He always kept staying back as if he thought that like Bisping was going to just come at him like an animal. And Bisping didn't. Bisping played had a very smart idea of getting in, getting his shots, scoring points, and getting out of dodge. Okay, that was, and for, that was crazy. And for Silva to come up with this corruption idea, yeah. and Dana White obviously is going to back him because you know if, right. if Silva is not Silva anymore, that doesn't do Dana White. Anymore. But it's just a complete sham, and Silva really needs to come to reality and realize you're not the guy that you were five years ago. No doubt about that. I mean, especially I mean. Of course, he's had two years off, but hasn't he lost three out of his last four fights or something like that? I mean, it's, you know, and a lot of stuff has been going on. He's had a lot of stuff in his personal life. Um, like you said, it just seemed like he kind of thought like he, it, it was just kind of like his fight to lose for some reason. Like he, he thought that there was just really no way he was going to lose. So, I mean, I'm not obviously not saying he like took it easy or anything, but it was kind of strange the way like he would knock him down and he wouldn't attack. He would just kind of, it was just weird. He's so used to having to to basically being in the opponent's head where the opponent feels like they have to come to him that he can stay back and wait for the mistake, which he's done so many right. times. But that's not there anymore. Guys don't have to come to him. Guys, know, guys aren't afraid, and they know if they just fight smart, he has to turn aggressive. He What he now isn't in is the situation that Ronda Rousey is in right now. In that with the loss to home, the aura and mystique is kind of gone. Right. That's why the rematch has to happen. If Rousey were to win the rematch, all of a sudden that's all there again. You know, we can we can chalk it up mm -hmm. to it was a one-time thing, you know, maybe she overlooked, whatever. Okay? But that's why when Silva lost in the rematch to Weidman, it's all gone. Once could be an anomaly. When you lose twice, you lost. Yeah. It's over. Yep. 100%. 100%. I mean, you know, kind of um, kind of the same thing, like you said, with Tiger Woods. Like, he would just dominate, and people were intimidated by him. And, and you know, after all that stuff happened, you know, they, it was just kind of like he lost that mental edge. And once you lose that mental edge, it's just, I don't know, it's just a completely different game, clearly. I mean, as we've seen with him and then with Silva. And, you know, a question I have for you um, you know, Silva comes in here and he thinks that he's just going to run it and he, everyone, you know, he's just going to dominate everyone. Do you think that, you know, this loss yesterday might be a result of UFC kind of catching up to Silva or Silva slowing down with age? I don't – here's the thing. I don't think necessarily Silva slowed down with age. I mean, it was the first time he was in the octagon in two years. He mm -hmm. obviously wasn't at his top – you know, thing that he did right. a lot of things that we wouldn't normally see, but endurance wise, stamina wise, I mean, he was the Silva of all. I mean, he went five rounds and he was in better condition than Bisping was through the five. Yep. So that's not it. The problem with for Silva now is he has his mentality has to change. And I don't know if he can do that. He has to become aggressive. He has to start taking the fight to guys instead of laying back and waiting for guys to yep. come to him because that's not going to happen anymore. Definitely. And I don't know if at 40, when he doesn't listen to his coaches to begin with, <laughs> I don't know if he if he's going to be able to do that. Yeah, it's uh, it's really, really interesting to see it all unfold. You know, it's just, And you're right. He doesn't seem to listen to his coaches at all, which is like, dude, I mean, what do you even have him for if you're not going to pay attention to what they say? So... I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how the rest of his career unfolds. He's obviously going to uh, have to change some things if he wants to bounce back and 
start racking up some W's again. Um, I, I kind of agree. I don't know if he slowed down, so he might have a decent bit of career left. It, I don't know. There's a lot of speculation, and I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Um, you know, I feel like a guy like Silva's good for the UFC. You know, the the bigger names, the more ratings, et cetera, which is obviously, you know, why they're so pumped about a guy like Conor McGregor. So, you know, good things happening in UFC, and I think that um, I think they're headed in the right direction for sure doing a really good job with their organization and uh you know switching gears to another event that took place the same night i don't know if you got a chance to watch the golden state uh okc game but i mean is there anyone anything more entertaining entertaining in sports to watch in golden state i mean like i can't think of any sport any any player than steph curry it's just unbelievable it's so fascinating to watch they're just so high energy they they just—it's just like a show every single night. I, I don't know what. What are your feelings on Golden State? Well, it's funny. I normally I'm not uh, watching Golden State all that much. I mean, I, I I'm aware of what's going on, but I don't run to the TV when they're on. And Saturday night, uh, I happened to be at a bar with my wife and her girlfriend, and that was kind of the only thing that was on. And I watched, and you know, I didn't really have much of a choice. Mm-hmm. And it was like, even though OKC had control for most of regulation, you could sense it. You could see it dripping, 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 dripping. And then, of course, they do the one thing that you're told never to do, in which they they foul Iguodala, you know, with less than a second left. And, of course, he he hits the free throws and we go to OT. But, yeah, same thing in OT. OKC's got the lead and you can just see it, see it, see it. And then for Curry to basically have – take three steps over half court, launch about a 40-foot three, and when most guys take that shot, you're, it, mentality-wise, it's, it's a heave and we'll see. Yeah. There was never a doubt once it left <laughs> his wasn't. hand. There was never a doubt. And that that's the scary thing is that he doesn't – his range is so crazy that there's no shot that he puts up that I don't think might not go in. It is just, I mean, it's insane. And you're right. Like, he took that shot, and he sets up to take that shot for, like, a split second. Like, what's he doing? And then, like, oh, he's probably going to make it. And then, like, just right when it comes out of his hand, you're like, yep, that's probably going in. And, of course, it's, you know, just it's just unbelievable. I mean, there's literally no way to, to compare it to anything. I mean, he just drains these shots from so far out. It's unbelievable. And, you know, the passing is, is ridiculous. He's just a fantastic player. Um, Personally, you know, I, I just... I mean, there can't. I can't think of anyone in any other sport that's really more exciting to watch. I was just thinking back in years, like who else was that exciting in their sport? And I was thinking of guys like Michael Vick and stuff like that that just really just brought a lot of energy and excitement. And you know, if if anyone's ever played pickup basketball, you, I mean, you get tired. You know, it's tiring. But Steph Curry just bumps around like the little Energizer Bunny. I don't understand it. Like he never slows down. It's just it's really impressive. And then of course. You know, it's not like he's the only good player on that team. They have Clay Thompson, who's just an unbelievable three-point shooter. Obviously, Draymond Green. Just they're just loaded, and, and they're really fun to watch. Um, you know, they they come down to Atlanta, my my city, so I'm pumped up because my Hawks are playing them and expecting to lose, but still exciting to watch the entire time because you got Steph Curry and you got all those other guys, and it's just really cool. And um, I think it's good for the NBA, but at the same time. I just don't know if there's going to be anyone that can compete with them. You know, I mean, I like to think the Spurs might could, but honestly, at this point, I'm just like, these guys are so dominant. I just don't know if there's really anyone that's touching them. Uh, Do you think there's anyone that can compete with them? Here's the thing. First off, going back to Steph for a second, it's crazy to think that he set the record for most threes (laughs) in a season in that game. There's still 24 games left. (laughs) So, I mean, that's that's just insane to think. Now, as far as... 
Um, can anybody touch them? First, let me go back to what you said about being good for the NBA. Mm-hmm. That's a double-edged sword. Yeah, is it, It's good for the NBA because do people want to run to the TV and see it? Sure. But they just fall into the mold of what the NBA has been for more than a decade now, which is that you go to the start of the season and you can fit on one hand the number of teams that have a legitimate shot to win the title. There is no parity in this league. Right. And yeah, do I think that somebody has a chance to beat Golden State? Because of the way Golden State is, there is a shot. Is it likely? Eh. Yeah. <laughs> but... You know, when you shoot as much from the outside as you are, mm-hmm. and even in the OKC right. in the OKC game, you saw they go streaky. They go minutes at a time where they don't hit much, and then all of a sudden it's NBA Jam, you're yep. on fire. <laughs> um, so in a seven-game series, yeah. But, I mean, realistically, if it's not Golden State, it's going to be San Antonio, Cleveland, and that's about it. Yep. Okay? I don't want to hear about Oakland. OKC, no. I don't want to hear about the Clippers, no. And I especially don't want to hear about the Toronto Raptors. (laughs) Can we stop with that, please? The only reason Cleveland isn't going to win a title is because they still have Kevin Love. Yeah. They can they can sleepwalk through the East. What Toronto going to? What Toronto will stretch it to six? Congratulations. I, I, mean, I, uh, I I agree. You know, I, I just don't think there's any way that the Raptors can hang with Cleveland, and I don't understand. I don't really understand why people, anyone thinks that because I mean Toronto's a, a nice little team, a good story, I guess. But I mean, they're not hanging with the Cavs. I just don't see any way they're hanging with them. Um, you know, it's I I hope LeBron. Well, I I just want to see a great final series, and I'm just kind of assuming it's going to be Cleveland and Golden State, and so I hope LeBron can kind of you know, rest up a little bit and not kill himself in this playoff stretch. And so we can get, I want to see a healthy Cavs team versus a healthy Golden State team because we didn't really get that last year. And, you know, Kyrie Irving is obviously a huge part of that. Got to stay healthy. And Kevin Love, man, he's so on or off every single day. I I don't even know. One day I'll I'll feel like he's terrible. The next day he'll put up 28 and 10 rebounds and whatever. So it's just, he's just completely unpredictable to me. But the Raptors, I just... I just don't see any way that they're competing with the, with Cleveland. And, of course, if the Raptors aren't, nobody else in the East is. So I just feel like they're going to sleepwalk through that playoffs. It's kind of it's just kind of crazy how, how much better the West is in the East. And I guess you could argue that there's only two really good teams in the West. But at the same time, I mean, OKC would be by far the second-best team in the, in the East, in my opinion. And I think they would easily beat the Raptors in a five seven game series and I think the Clippers would probably take him too but um I I don't know I I guess that's all speculation it's just really amazing how much more talent's in the west (laughs) well I'll agree with you on this in that I want Cleveland to be completely healthy assuming that they get to the finals and play Golden State because and going back to the trade deadline I said this is why Cleveland you know, I understand that they were asking for like a first round pick and a star player for Kevin Love. They just needed to get somebody else in there in exchange for Kevin Love because Kevin Love is not the Chris Bosch of this big three. The Heat big three worked because they all made sacrifices and they knew what they had to do to blend. This Cleveland big three doesn't do that. That's why it hasn't worked and Kevin Love doesn't fit. That's why there's mm. a problem. But now that 
David Blatt is gone and Tyron Lue is, is in. And don't think that LeBron had nothing to do with that because oh, yeah. he absolutely did. I don't care what anybody says. Okay? They need to be completely healthy because now LeBron has no excuses. There's no excuses. Last year there was no Kyrie. Yeah. There was no Kevin Love. David Blatt didn't know what he was doing. Well, There's no excuses this time. Get there. Take your shot and see if you can finally bring home what you had to leave to go get. Yep, and I, you know, I think they could do it. It's going to be really tough, but I think they can. But you know, the annoying thing to me is if they don't get it, then people are going to be like, "Oh, well, it's just a shame that uh, you know he had to play in the Golden State era and this and that." I don't know. I'm just like, man, come on, just let's. If let's... you're the best player in the NBA, yeah. okay, which most pe- all around people will say that he is, you're supposed to make the players around you better. Yeah, he doesn't do that. That's my knock on him. Okay, with all the comparisons with 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 MJ and even with Kobe, Mm -hmm. okay, MJ made the guys around him better. I mean, yeah, MJ made a lot of last second shots, but so did Steve Kerr. Right. You know, and you can talk about the cast and what LeBron did in the first go around with Cleveland where he really had no cast. And that's all well and good. But at the end of the day, it's how many titles did you win and how did you get them? LeBron doesn't elevate anybody around him. That's the knock. Yeah, he. That's that's a good point. And um, like you said, I think that most people will consider him still to be the best player in the NBA all around. I guess you could argue Steph Curry, but you know, defensively and just every aspect of the game, I feel like LeBron still probably considered the overall best. Um, and I feel like he's got about you know three years left of being in that conversation. He's kind of on like the tail end of his prime. I feel like so you know. If, if the if he's going to you know win this championship and it's going to be on LeBron, I mean it's going to be soon. It's got to be this year, next year, year after. You know it's got to happen pretty soon. So there's a lot of a lot of stuff that we've yet to see unfold. And um, it, it, LeBron's career to me has been pretty interesting. You know a lot of people coming in. Of course, he's been compared to Jordan a trillion times, and he said himself, "I'm not Jordan." And uh, you know I just feel like I don't want to say he hasn't lived up to expectations because he's had a great career, but at the same time, I mean, if he ends up only winning two titles, a lot of people are going to look at him and be like, wow, like I can't believe he, he didn't do more than that. So this is huge for him. This is really, really huge for LeBron. And, um, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see what all happens. And I, I know I'll be watching. I'm sure you will be. And, uh, you know, I, I – you know, I hope he does well. I feel like LeBron's a good dude. He went back to Cleveland. But uh, I just don't know. I just don't know if I see it happening because, like we said, that Golden State just might be might be too much for him. Um, you know, last year it was a little different story because everyone was hurt seemingly. And, you know, that is one thing I will give in LeBron's defense is that a lot of years it seems like he's played with banged-up players. You know, when he was on the Heat – um, they were they were constantly banged up, which is really weird to me because now D Wade's like healthy and just balling every single night. Um, so that that's that was just kind of weird to me. But yeah, a lot a lot of good stuff happening in the NBA, and uh, it's been it's been really really fun to watch this season. And you know, usually regular season sports besides the NFL are not that intriguing, but I feel like the NBA is doing a really good job of making themselves relevant. So. That's good for them, but uh, so you know we got spring training going on, and I know you're a big Mets fan, and and <laughs> Johannes Cespedes apparently uh, used that check to get him some cars. I mean, what what was your favorite car that he's pulled up in yet? 
The slingshot. Yeah. I no mean, it, it, and the second and the second one is a lot better. I, I'm big on the black on blue as opposed to the white and red. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, he can go with the like the monster truck looking things. But yeah, the slingshot. Come on, people. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's not that's not a debate. I, lo- I love that. That was so cool to me. And uh, you know, some people don't like it. I don't really care. I mean, you know, why not? Oh, who cares what he drives? Yeah. Go on the field, play 150 plus <laughs> games, hit 30 home runs, drive in 100, and you can do whatever the hell you want. Exactly. Yeah. And I by agree. the way. Don't botch balls in the outfield like he did in the World Series. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, you know, coming from a Mets fan, you watch the Mets a ton. You know a lot about them. What do you think? Are they going to be back in the World Series this year? I think they got a pretty good shot. They've got as much of a shot as anybody else. I, I know everybody wants to ride the Cubs, but the Clubs have defi- deficiencies nobody wants to talk about. They're, they, With all the things that they've done, you know, adding the Hayward, had, yeah. adding the Sobrist, you know, Hayward, even Dexter Fowler just just came back after that whole Orioles situation. Mm-hmm. Jason Hayward and Dexter Fowler are the same player. The difference is you're paying one eight million and you're paying the other one hundred and sixty eight. Right. <clears throat> okay, they're the same guy. They don't hit. They don't hit for much power. They don't drive in a lot of runs. You know, Hayward's great in the outfield, and they'll strike out. Okay, and that's oh, the big, yeah. and that's the big thing in that in that Cub lineup, right, and mine is Zobrist, who's a lot, you know, a much better contact hitter, as we saw with Kansas City and throughout his career. There's a lot of strikeouts in that lineup, and you saw that in the NLCS and how the Mets able basically swept them. Just strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. Power arms versus power bats, plain and simple. So, but I mean, you know, even even – even with the even year thing, I mean, you look at what the Giants have done. The Giants are in a lot better position. Um, you know, you always ask the question, is this the year that Pittsburgh's finally going to get over mm-hmm. the hump? Uh, the Dodgers always linger. St. Louis is always lingering. Yeah. You know, Washington change a manager. Does that help? You know, do the Marlins finally do something? You know, there's so many yep. questions and so many things that can happen. But Speaking of the Marlins, I want to I want to pose a question to you because we always have Sports Illustrated always runs this thing about most overrated player in baseball. Okay, and a lot yeah. of times you get like something somebody by Bryce like Bryce Harper right. or something like right. that, which is I don't agree with that mm-hmm. at all. Okay, but let me pose the question to you before I give you my answer. Most overrated player in baseball, who is it? Man, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, God, that's a tough one. Um, you know, there's a couple guys that I, I feel like are really overrated. Personally, I actually feel like Jason Hayward's really overrated, to tell you the truth. I can't believe he's – I don't know if he's actually overrated by, you know, the fans and stuff or if he's just getting paid that kind of money. I, the Saber Matrix play in a play in a Hayward. He's yeah, great, yeah, no he's doubt. Great, he's great in the outfield. He's very young, so he's hitting his prime. They're thinking, you know, maybe as he gets older, the power starts to come. So – Overrated in a sense, yes, I, I'll give you that. But but sabermetrics play more mm-hmm. in the Hayward than maybe an overvalue, right? And that and that makes sense. Um, you know, honestly, I, I might get just slaughtered for saying it, and I have a bunch of fan, friends that are Marlins fans, so I like to give them a hard time about it. But I'm not sure if John Carlos is worth that oh, huge contract, Sam. Sam, thank you, thank you, because you just hit the nail on the head. That is exactly who it is. That is exactly who it is. And forget the contract. Forget the contract. I'm going to tell you why Giancarlo Stanton is the most overrated player in baseball. He has been in the league six years now. His rookie right. league, his rookie year was 2010. Mm-hmm. Six years. How many times 
has he played over 140 games in those six years. That's so true. I mean, really, I don't I'm know. Gonna the you, I'm going to give you the answer twice. Wow, twice. Wow, he's played over 140 games. How many times has he hit over 35 home runs in those six years? Mm. Twice. Twice. Yeah. How many times has he driven in 90-plus runs? Once. Wow. I did not know that. That is crazy. Wow. His best best year was two years ago, 2014, in which he played 145 games, which is his second highest. He, uh, He hit 37 home runs, which is tied for most of the year. He drove in 105, and he scored... 89 runs, which is also a career high. Mm-hmm. Okay? This guy is constantly hurt. For the same thing that we knocked Troy Tulowitzki on, <laughs> yeah. for never being on the field. Nobody ever brings it up about Giancarlo Stanton. It's true. He's never hit 40. Right? Jose Fernandez was on MLB Network last week and said he could see Stanton hitting 54 home runs this year. Why? Is he going to stay on the field? Yeah. <laughs> For real, though. I mean, like, I don't know how you expect to do that if you're never on the field. And It's a hamstring. It's a broken yeah. bone. It's a ball to the head. It's it's whatever. And I get that these are fluke injuries, but it always happens. It really he's does. He's never on the field. It, it's, you know, he's kind of like Derrick Rose of the MLB almost, like the unhealthiest, healthy right, guy ever. As a ever. Bull fan, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Yep. Um, you know, that first of all, that stat that he's only driven in more than 90 runs once, that is mind-blowing to me. I hadn't I really didn't realize that. And I mean, you can hit all the home runs you want, but I mean, if you're hitting them all with nobody on base, you know, part of that might be the Marlins have been terrible, but the other part of that, you know, there's there's something to it for sure. And Stanton, he's got a cannon for an arm. He he can he, of course he has some power, but I mean, if he's not going to be out there, then I, I mean, it's the same thing we say with Troy Tulowitzki. If he's on the field, he's one of the best players in the league. He's never on the field. Right. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I mean, I, I promise. Give me Mike Trout or Bryce Harper any day of the week over Stanton. I can I can tell you that much. Now that's healthy or not, but um, yeah, that's that's really crazy. I did not know that. However, there's a lot of people in Miami that think he's. Pro- I, I promise you, some of my friends that are huge Marlins fans would argue with me that he's the best player in the major leagues, which just really is irritating. But you know, it is what it is. I guess they, they love here's, him. Here's all you need to know. Okay, Baseball Reference. Okay, which is you know people live by that website. Okay. Yeah, definitely. They have a, they have a projection for Stanton this year. Okay, in his age 26 season. Okay. 25 home runs, 68 RBIs. That's the projection. Okay. Wow. Now I'll I'll even admit that that's on the low end. Right. Okay. But here's here's the telling thing. In that projection, they are playing in that Stanton is gonna get hurt again because for plate appearances, they only have 423. Uh wow. Yeah. So even baseball reference is admitting, guess what? I can't pencil this guy in for 500 ABs because somewhere along the line, he's going to go on the DL. That's really crazy. Wow. So even, even the, the predictors are, are predicting that he's going to get hurt. That's, that's really wild. 2568 is probably, is probably low. Yeah. You know, I put him somewhere in the low to mid thirties for the homers and probably in the, low 70s for rbis you know yeah because he's gonna get hurt right exactly plain and simple i mean if he's if he's healthy and he stays in that lineup and that lineup stays healthy then yeah he could have a huge year you know like i said two years ago that 37 105 it shows the potential is there yep but can he play a hundred a hundred fifty games (laughs) 
probably not, honestly. And I mean, it's just like to me, almost there's almost no player that's worth the money that he's getting paid because I mean that's just taken away from the rest of your team so much. I mean, maybe a starting pitcher. You know, but it's, I mean, well, just wait, just wait till next year yeah. when, when Harper hits the open market. Yeah. Oh my Remember, gosh. okay. The talk is 400 million for Bryce Harper and Bryce Harper's response. Don't sell me short. <laughs> oh man. And you know, it's, uh, I, I, I like Bryce Harper. There's a lot of people that don't, he's, he's obviously a little arrogant, but I mean, it is what it is. He's a stud and, and he's a really good player. I still feel like Mike Trout's better. Um, there's definitely people that would disagree with that. I just feel like, you know, here, I feel here, like he is. I don't know. Here's my knock on Bryce, okay? And I saw it a lot last year when things started going downhill, mm-hmm. okay? And it and admittedly, it's the first year that he's had any sort of adversity from a team right. standpoint. Right. Nationals have been good basically since he's been called up, okay? So maybe it's an anomaly. But, and this is kind of what sparked the whole Papelbon-Harper incident in the, in the dugout. Mm-hmm. Bryce checks out. He checks out on a lot of occasions. Okay, whether it's in yeah. at bat, whether it's in the field, there are times where he just kind of I'll come back in a little bit. He's not in in there engaged every pitch, every AB, mm-hmm. you know, and for you know, my franchise guy, the guy that I'm going to give 400 plus million dollars to, I need you engaged. Definitely. You know, 24-7 through 27 ounce. And, and, and you know, Bryce doesn't do that. Exactly. Exactly. He just kind of, like you said, just kind of almost checks out. And, like, it just to me, it doesn't really seem like he's much of a leader. He kind of would just prefer to sit back and just do his own thing and let other people lead. I mean, clearly that was evident in his statement about a week or two ago when he was like, you know, I don't really feel myself as a leader. Kind of named who he felt like leaders were in the in the clubhouse. I don't know. It's just like a guy that's about to get paid four hundred million. You need to be leading, man. You need you need to be contributing in that aspect and not just doing you. You know, I feel like that's huge. I want to I want to switch to the other end of the pay scale mm-hmm. and go to the Pirates since we brought them up mm-hmm. and Garrett Cole, yeah, who is who is obviously their ace and a guy that they would like to have leading that rotation for for years to come, especially with the guys that they have coming and, and guys like Glass now and and Talium. And guys like that. But to hear the story in which, you know, before you, when you're still, you know, in those first few years, basically the, the club offers you a contract and you've got to take it. You don't right. have a choice. And to hear that the Pirates threatened to cut his salary even <laughs> lower than what he made last year is a joke. Do yep. you realize Zach Wheeler? who is coming off Tommy John, didn't mm-hmm. pitch at all last year, is going to make more this year than Garrett Cole? Wow, that's unbelievable. <laughs> that is insane. I I don't understand what the Pirates are doing. I understand that you're a small market club, and the chances that by the time Cole gets to arbitration and the free agency, the likelihood of him staying in Pittsburgh is minuscule to begin with. But for you to be playing these games now with your ace, over we're talking about a mere few thousand dollars not not smart moves from a front office no. that is that has been ahead of the curve on a lot of things 
That it's just kind of puzzling to me. Like I can't really. I'm sitting here trying to think of why they would be doing that. I, I really can't. And you know, I agree. It seems like a really good front office. But then you take a step back and you're like, well, they just kind of seem to fall short every single year. Where where are they lacking? Because they have talent. They you know they have really good teams. What is the missing piece? Is it a player? Is it someone in the front office? You know what what's wrong with the Pirates? Because they've been so close so often and just haven't quite been able to get it done. The lineup, the lineup still leaves a lot to be desired. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, they still have a lot of young guys. Marte's young, Polanco's young, you know. Um, and you look at it, you want to chalk it up to bad luck, whatever. I mean, they've been in the Central, which has been a tough division right. for years. You know, the Cardinals have always been on top. Now you got the Cubs coming on, you know, so it's really hard to get on top of that division, which puts you in this one-game playoff scenario. And they ran up against Bumgarner and Arietta and their two shots. <laughs> Very true. Very you know, true. so, you know, chalk it up to bad luck, you know, whatever. But, yeah, when, you've got you've got McCutcheon in that lineup as the big guy. And then you've got a lot of nice pieces around him. But you don't have a second guy with McCutcheon. And true. I think that is a major flaw for Pittsburgh. And due to the market and things like that, it's tough for them you know, to go out and do something like that. I mean, Kansas City, who, you know, is like the AL version of Pittsburgh and then, you know, same, you know, maybe not so now because their payroll has inflated. But, you know, when they were building up, you know, they were kind of the AL version of Pittsburgh, same kind of market, same kind of payroll and things like that. And you saw what they did in which they developed the bats and then – you know, basically said, well, we'll come up with this dynamite bullpen and not really worry about the rotation. Yeah, they they went out and and made moves. You know, they got Shields and then they got Cueto Mm -hmm. and things like that where they, you know, they, but they didn't really focus on the pitching so much as the bats, whereas, you know, the the pitching coach, Syridge from from Pittsburgh, has done a magnificent job with anybody that they've brought in. If he makes John East a 15-game winner, he should be in the baseball hall of fame. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, so so pitching has not really been a, an issue for Pittsburgh, but that lineup, I mean, especially when you're running up against guy, the guys that they have, you need, you know, depth is great, but you need names. And I mean, the best comparison I can give is you look to what Cespedes brought to that Met lineup when he came. You know, right, yeah. the, line, the lineup didn't change that much, but just putting him in there and seeing the effect, that's right. what mm-hmm. it does. If, you could, if they can somehow find another guy to put with McCutcheon and bring that kind of aura or just, you know, factor into that lineup yep. it would do so much more for that pittsburgh team it really would and you know they're close they really are i feel like they it seems like the past couple of years they've been just on the brink of, of getting in there um so you know a lot of a lot of good baseball talk coming up here in the next couple days and weeks with all the spring training going on it's really really exciting I, i'm pumped for the season to start honestly um nba is starting to heat up just really a good time for sports you know the nfl dies down it kind of goes quiet for a minute and then everything starts to heat back up again so that's the great thing about sports but um you know a lot a lot of great stuff today we got a lot of great stuff coming on later in the week um like i said in the intro guys dan's going to be co-hosting for now on really really pumped to have him on a lot of great insight really 
really good talking points. And uh, Dan, I appreciate you joining us today, and I, I'm looking forward to it, man. <clears throat> All right, no problem, man. I'll be here. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. <clears throat> All right.